You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Well, hey. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I, I've been a big fan, uh, listener, and I sort of plugged into what you all are doing for uh, quite a while. And so it seems like I've been waiting my turn. So thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Um, it's uh, it's kind of interesting because I'm recording um, at work now, um, which is interesting. I've never recorded in my office before. So if there's a little echo, I apologize for that. Um, and we're actually doing a little lunch thing Um well, it's lunch for me. I don't know if it's lunch for you, but uh, 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 I have roasted garlic hummus and some uh, uh, naan. So, you know, in case well, you're I, curious, I thought listeners. your breath was terrible, but thank you know, thankfully the audio doesn't convey that, so I'm I'm good. Uh, hopefully not. Um, hopefully not. Uh, everyone kicks me downstairs whenever I eat this anyway, right. um, which is probably fair. Uh, but to to the plus of my office, because I I brought my roasted garlic hummus today, I did start some mulled cider upstairs when I got to work and it should be getting done just about now. So everyone should be uh, happy with the beautiful smell of cinnamon and apples upstairs. Um, nice. I don't know. I, I like to do nice things for my office and it's been a rough week. So I figure, you know, um, I might as well cheer myself up. Uh, well, that sounds exciting. I mean, mulled cider at the office. I mean, I, I, I work, I work from home. So, you know, whatever, whatever I, I do, it's sort of, you know, not, not nearly as exciting as that. Well, you know, that's not true. You could do all kinds of stuff. You could bake cookies. You could do all kinds of interesting, cool, fun things. Um, but but before we get too deep into all the fun things you do, um, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and let us know what you do and, and maybe a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'll just I'll just speak for like the next 60 minutes. Uh, no, no. My, my, <laughs> name's Eric, my name's Eric Stoller, and I'm currently the vice president of digital strategy for a company called Gecko Engage. Uh, it's based in Scotland, uh, but we are global, and we've got a, a, a sort of significant presence now in the United States. And I'm fairly new to the company. I just started last uh, last month in September, uh, and so in, in many ways, my role with Gecko is kind of similar to what my previous job was, which was uh, as a consultant full time within higher ed. Uh, I was writing and speaking and, and putting on workshops and uh, sessions at institutions, and and kind of being someone who's Focus specifically on digital engagement and student success in, in a variety of functional areas. And in my new role, it's very similar. I just happen to be working for a company that that focuses on uh, chatbots in particular for student success. And so my job now is to take what we do well in terms of our technology and our software and our applications and apply it to those functional areas where it's most applicable. Uh, and in the case of higher ed, uh, and a chatbot, it can kind of go in as you know, in as many places as you can imagine. The sky's the limit uh, when it comes to this kind of engagement. That's pretty awesome. Um, chatbots are definitely something that are becoming more of a thing. Though you know, back in my day, long, long ago, I remember what was it, Smarter Child or something like that on AOL, and like mm -hmm. messaging mm -hmm. back and forth with it. I feel like artificial intelligence has probably come a little farther since back then. Um, and, you know, I, I have started to see this kind of thing implemented at schools. Um, and 
it's a pretty it's a pretty cool technology. Um, yeah, well, I think the the neat thing too is with now with nowadays is the speed you know in which you can ask a question and you get a response back in a way that that feels like you're talking more to a person than to you know a database of information that sort of takes its time to spit something back. I think that's where. You know, you talk about, you know, like IBM Watson now is that's the tech behind our chatbot. And really what it does is it's sort of the racehorse that computes everything and kicks it back to uh, a student or a staff member or an academic uh, in a way that's, you know, sort of much more conversational based as opposed to, you know, like you said, those old tech, you know, of, of yesteryear where, you know, you type something in and unless it was perfect in terms of the way it was written, you're not really going to get a response as opposed to now where, you know, people train these bots on a wide array of questions and, you know, a question could be asked 20 different ways for the same piece of information and the bot can handle it with relative ease. Nice. That's pretty cool. Um, so how did you end up here? Um, obviously you were, a you're a you're a writer and you were a um, uh, a consultant before this. How did you how did you even get into the higher ed realm? Like, what made you interested in this particular industry? Yeah, well, sort of, I guess, just a series of fortunate accidents, kind of along the way. In many ways, I mean, I I did my undergraduate degree in marketing and comms and PR at the University of Northern Iowa. And I just thought, you know, I want to do something in communications and PR, but not necessarily for an agency. Uh, and at the time when I started to seriously look for jobs, I was in Chicago and I just so happened to have an interview for two different jobs um, on the, kind of like the same day, essentially. I, can't, I think one was in the morning, one was in the afternoon and one was for something like the Chicago transit system. And the other just happened to be uh, with the University of Illinois at Chicago and I got that job at UIC. It was doing marketing within um, student development services, specifically within health and wellness. And I loved it. I mean, I got to do sort of, um, you know, marketing to a, a very captive audience in a sense, with a, even, mm -hmm. with a even with a commuter school. And, uh, you know, this was back in, you know, very print heavy days. I did a lot of presentations at orientations, you know, a few slide decks, that type of thing. Um, and the web was kind of coming into its own uh, this is a little bit pre-social uh, mm -hmm. in, in many ways. Uh, and then at some point when I got, um, you know, my, my legs underneath me a lot with that job, they, they kind of let me spread my wings and, uh, you know, chair student conduct committees and participate in a lot of other events. And so I was, you know, able to sort of get a full picture for sort of what student affairs was like at an institution. And then someone one day asked me, they said, where did you go to grad school? Uh, for your, you know, for your master's degree in higher ed. And I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I just have my bachelor's. I'm, I'm good. And they said, well, you know, if you want to progress within student affairs, higher ed, you really need a master's degree. And so I kind of took that on and said, okay, I'm going to go shopping for a, a degree. And I ended up going out to Oregon State University where hmm. their, their then head of enrollment management at the time uh, offered me this really cool position doing web marketing within admissions, registrars, orientation, financial aid, the whole enrollment management unit. And I got to really know the ins and outs of admissions, recruitment, financial aid, registrars, orientation. And, and, I, and it was great because it was sort of like technical but still personable, kind of yeah, high tech. I, I did that yeah. stuff myself. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. high tech, high, high, you know, high tech, high touch. And... I, I kind of started developing this this niche where 
I was the person who liked technology and was really nerdy about it, you know, had some experience with coding, had some experience with graphic design and audio and video, and yet at the same time was really student success focused. And so I graduated with that degree, thought I wanted to be a dean of students for a little while. Um, Everybody does. Yeah, exactly. Very sort of generalist (laughs) kind of thing. When you don't know what you want to do, you think generalist. So then I got the chance to do some consulting for a year after I graduated with my master's with ACRO, uh, the Admissions and Registrars Association. And it was great. I I got it was a great experience and I got to travel a little bit. And yet at the same time, I kind of missed that team environment. I, I wasn't used to being on my own. And I, little did I know that it was kind of preparing me for a future where I was, was going to be in consulting kind of on my own. But I, I went back and I got this job as an academic advisor from 2007 until 2010 because I thought, what's one area within higher ed where people still don't really like technology as much? And it was advising for sure because everyone thought for it was sure. sort of one to one. But and this was still when the, the you know, when online learning was still kind of starting to scale up and when advisors weren't really given any tools in particular for tracking student success. It was all sort of very paper-based and files. And um, I was still very much focused on social media and the web. And so this is when, you know, Facebook and Twitter and WordPress and all the big players really started to emerge and and, and have significance. And people mm-hmm. started talking about them, uh, myself included, as as being worthwhile to enhancing the student experience. And just around the time I, I, I quit my job at Oregon State as an academic advisor, Inside Higher Ed called me and said, uh, Scott Jassick, who's a co-founder and editor for the site, he, he said, would you like to write for us about uh, all things related to student affairs and technology? And hmm. thus, was, thus was born the, the student affairs and technology blog for uh, Inside Higher Ed. Ended up doing yep. that for, for nine years. Uh, on the side, just part time, but it was great. It was a you know consistent form of income, mm-hmm. and but then I got so I got this blogging opportunity. I was still with Oregon State uh, in 2010, and I started getting invitations to speak at events, and they were paying me to do it. <laughs> and so I was taking all my vacation time and going out to these events, these conferences, and speaking at them, getting paid a little bit of money, uh, and and just I was burning out. I was doing way too much, and so I, I decided you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to become a writer, speaker, consultant about higher ed, digital engagement, student success, and quit my full-time job at OSU in October of 2010. Hmm. And yeah, so then I I did that uh, for the past, really for the past nine years almost. I uh, almost made it to a full nine years. I, I I stopped in September, but, um, <laughs> and, and part of that, actually, my, my, my wife, um, who I, you know, at the beginning of this whole consulting journey, I, I, I didn't even know we hadn't met yet, but, um, back in, um, you know, 2013, she got, uh, actually I should say, let me back up here back in 2014, she got this amazing opportunity to, um, do communications management for the CEO of her, her company in London. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up moving out to the UK and we were actually in the UK from uh, 2014 until April of this year of 2019. So I spent the past five years uh, kind of doing what I do in consulting uh, in the UK. And so hmm. I had this, yeah, I had this really sort of like successful business kind of, you know, that was on an upwards trajectory in the US and, 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 and having some success with it and then decided, you know, let's 
I, let's go to a different country and, and start over. And, and I did. And so I, I started building clients up again, a kind of client base up and um, working at different universities, learning a whole new set of acronyms and associations and, uh, and, and just sort of you know, figuring out what to work in another country, even though we speak the same language, a lot of things are very different. Right. And, and, and again, and again, sort of had built that up on an upwards trajectory. And then, um, you know, I don't know how personal this, this conversation get, but you know, we ended up having, we ended up having a baby and in our, in our, in our you know, it, when you have a, you have a kid, it kind of changes everything. It does. And, you know, you start to, you start to think about, you know, Hey, we have friends and family in large part in the U S and, you know, as consultants, you're, we're paying a lot of tax from you know, both the UK and the U S. And so we mm -hmm. thought, let's move back. And, and right before uh, we moved back, I put out this call to uh, anybody in the UK, essentially saying, you know, now's your chance. If you want to bring me out to your event to speak before I move away, you know, as, as if I couldn't fly back. But I thought that's the way to make it all you know, dramatic. <laughs> yes. And and, and, and and so then this company up in Scotland um, that I had never really heard of before called Gecko Engage uh, asked me to speak at their client forum in March. And. I thought, okay, you know, just another speaking gig. I'll go do my thing. And they wanted me to talk about digital transformation as it related to kind of emerging technologies that would potentially impact the student experience. And so I gave my talk and I, I sat there just listening to some of the other people from the company giving their presentations and some of the, the presentations from the, you know, the schools that they had partnered with. And I was really impressed with the tech, and I was also really impressed with the people um, who were their clients as well as uh, on the on the team on the company side. So I uh, didn't think anything of it other than I'm going to maybe pitch these people when I get back to the U.S. and get back to the U.S. Start doing my thing again in, in the states. You know, contacting people, getting clients, speaking at events. I'd booked quite a few already, like EduWeb. Mm -hmm. uh, spoke at St. John's University, um, Emmanuel College. Uh, you know, just like doing my usual kind of routine yeah. as a consultant. And, and I pitched the, the, the folks at Gecko again. And I said, Hey, maybe I could write some influencer pieces for you, do some more, uh, work for you on the U S side of things. And they said, well, we're writing this chatbot book about sort of higher ed plus chatbots. Would right. you be interested in writing the forward? And I said, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do that for you. Uh, and, and I, it gave me, I didn't know it at the time cause this was kind of like the world's longest job interview, uh, mm -hmm. because it gave me insight into kind of what the company was thinking about future directions and, and sort of the, the sector as a whole and, and tactics and, and whatnot and sort of the impact and, um, potential for chatbots. And, and I finally said, you know what, Hey, what if I worked for you full time? And, and the CEO, uh, Matt Lanham actually said, well, we're going to be in New York next week. Can you come over here for breakfast? And I said, well, you know what? Why not? Let's do this. So <laughs> I, I flew out to New York and I had uh, breakfast with the CEO, with Matt and with the, the COO, uh, Neil Jordan. And uh, we had like a four hour chat uh, in New York about all things related to higher ed and chatbots. And then those two guys got on a plane back to Edinburgh. Uh, and, the, you know, we just sort of left it as well write the job that you'd like to do for us uh, in terms of everything from title to scope to responsibilities, you name it. And so I did. And then a few weeks later, they came back and said, okay, let's do this. 
And so I was thinking to myself, if this is what it's like to come back to the real world after being out in the desert for nine years uh, <laughs> with my with my, my kind of made up consulting job, then I, I think it's pretty easy uh, in in a, in a way. I was really really fortunate. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they let me sort of create this position within the company where I span kind of all different aspects from marketing to, you know, the software development engineering side to um, client and customer success to a little bit of sales as well. And so I'm going to be doing the similar stuff where I, I'm, I'm speaking at events. I'm going to Acrosem uh, in, in about a week and a half uh, to give a presentation on student success and chatbots. Um, going to the AMA higher ed event um, in Vegas as well, uh, and That's and building exciting. out yeah building out a schedule of events for next year, and I think we're going to do some lunch and learn events at institutions that are already clients of ours, and then mm -hmm. invite people from the the you know neighboring institutions to come out and and my gig is really not to sell but just to sort of get people excited about you know the potential for these things and kind of the use cases and. You know, my, my experience from, you know, health and wellness to academic advising to marketing and comms at institution at the institutional level uh, to admissions and recruitment. I mean, the, the sky's the limit, really. Mm -hmm. It is. And that, I think it's I think it's a really exciting time to be in higher ed, especially in marketing and admissions and well, in general, because we're, you know, when I started here at Belmont, for instance, we were just getting into emailing people. Um, on a mass email standpoint with CRMs and, and all that kind of stuff and, and using data uh, to actually make decisions and, and stuff like that instead of just, you know, doing it like it had always been done. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why I love higher ed beyond just the fact that, you know, I love the environment, I love, you know, well, I love the environment. It's great. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But also, you know, student success, um, as you mentioned, that's one of the reasons. Um, you're definitely not in higher ed for the money. Um, not usually, at least, uh, unless you're a professor, which I guess, uh, um, you know, that's a and, thing. And even, even then, I guess it really depends on, on kind of what you're doing. I mean, and I think what the... school you're at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if you, if you, for me anyway, higher ed has always been about, you know, it's a it's a fulfilling place to work within because you, you know, to connect the dots to, you know, from what I'm doing and have done to, you know, Im impacting, you know, people's lives in positive ways. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it's about access, getting people into college or whether it's about the career development side of things, you know, getting people to think about what they're doing while at college and, and, and out, you know, once they graduate, um, I, I think maybe that's cause I, you know, I have a degree in higher ed admin, but it's, it's a, it's a student affairs degree. And so it's right. a lot of student development and, you know, in, in many ways, all of this is sort of about giving back to the community that, that gave so much to me in the first place. I mean, I was a, a, a small town kid from Iowa um, rural Iowa. And, and so the idea of, you know, even, you know, living in another country or having these cons a consulting job or, you know, all this stuff was, would have been so foreign to me. And, and I'm just super thankful for those opportunities. And I think that that's why working in higher ed still to this day is exciting. You know, like you said, it's an exciting time to be in higher ed because at the end of the day, the, the mission, uh, is, is always the same. Right. And I think, you know, it's to, to put it in sort of like the most simplified nutshell, it's it's to make the world a better place. And I know this probably isn't going to be a popular opinion, 
I don't know. But, I mean, there's increased competition going on right now. And that means that schools are being pushed out of their comfort zones. Um, and they're really starting to do things. Like, try new social networks. Try new ways of reaching students. Um, try new ways of, of using data to... To better inform decisions, um, and, and I think that's a, and, it, and it's not just the competition aspect, but it's just, you know, it's just smart business and knowing how to run leaner and how to lower the amount of tuition increase from year to year. Um, I think these are all things that are going to really, um, really push higher ed into something. Um, new and maybe not as different, but, but definitely into new territory that it's never been in. And, um, you know, just since I've been in higher ed, which is what, 12 years, um, I've seen my institution change, <laughs> like seriously change. Um, and I've seen a lot of other institutions not. <laughs> so it's, it's been kind of, and, and that's not a dig necessarily, but at the same time, it, you know, well, I, I think life is, life, is, yeah. life, life is all about change. I mean, yeah. in, in, you know, either personally or organizationally. And I think for institutions, you know, in a, an extremely marketized environment where, you know, it has become much more competitive. And I think, you know, my experience in the UK is they went from being uh, a sector in, in the UK that wasn't very competitive to trying to right. figure out what it was like to um be in a space that was all about, you know, increasing enrollments and, and more competition and, and, and trying to be more effective with, you know, when you think about, when you start saying things like business and business practices, people get a little bit, um, anxious about those phrases, right. but I think it's the sophistication levels that, that matter and are important just because that without them, the organization isn't going to thrive. And I think that you can directly connect some of this stuff, um, and it has been connected to things like let's widen access. You know, you want to talk mm -hmm. about like the social justice aspect of enrollment management. It's huge when people talk about building a class for, you know, the class of 2022 or recruitment wise, whatever, uh, you know, who are, who are we bringing in? Who are we contacting? Who are we accessing? And I think that um, in many ways it's, it's created space for conversations that didn't happen before when things were a little bit easier. That is true. And, and I guess it's a question what is it like to work with schools? Um, I imagine you did this in the UK. What is it like to work with a school that's probably older than your country? Um, <laughs> because that's a thing. Um, it really is, um, it is yeah. over there. Yeah, well, you know, so there's, there's the equivalent or slight equivalent to uh, the Ivy League in the UK is called the Russell Group. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are typically sort of the oldest and or most prestigious institutions. Uh, obviously, Oxford and Cambridge are right at the top, usually sort of neck and neck. Uh, you know, Durham University is up there. Um, and, and there's just a whole whole slew of them. It's a similar size list as the Ivy League. Uh, and, and I think the interesting thing is, no matter how old an institution is, it's always about the people who are there presently. You know, the current uh, operators um, in terms of leadership and vision and, and just the ability to sort of think outside the box. I mean, you look at, 
Cambridge University's social media has forever just been amazing. And it's because they've got they've got a few key people who are, are are really good in that arena. Same thing goes with the University of Glasgow, also a extremely old institution, uh, but at the same time led by a lot of visionaries. Uh, and I did some work. I was actually fortunate enough to do some work with Oxford University. And um, you know the thing with Oxford or Cambridge is they're they're a college based system, and so they they essentially are a collection of mini universities. Uh, mm-hmm. with this umbrella term of, you know, Oxford or Cambridge. And so they've got distributed leadership, distributed marketing and all that. And so I think for them, they can still rely heavily on um, the prestige element of their brand. They don't mm-hmm. have to worry about will, will people come to us? They have plenty of people coming to them. It's more about how they can now leverage uh, the demand uh, that they have with sort of trying to f- um, create classes of, of students that that are much more diverse than they've ever had in the past. Uh, I know Cambridge, you know, Cambridge has partnered with Stormzy, you know, he, he, he's a, 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 an artist, a singer, uh, rapper. It's it's um, grime is the, the, the genre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, He's done some great work with scholarships, with with increasing the enrollments of black students at Cambridge. And Oxford has been under fire uh, for the diversity of their classes as a result with some of the the, the politicians in the UK calling them out. Uh, And so, you know, regardless of prestige and and, and tradition, you know, these institutions still have to figure out what enrollment means to them uh, in in a present day context. And so you're right. Working with institutions that are older than the United States uh, it's really fascinating. I mean, just the architecture alone, you could just ad- admire it and kind of get soaked up with all that. Uh, but at the same time, the people who work within those structures, they have to balance sort of prestige, tradition, history, uh, and, and I guess responsibility with the, the, the current context of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting a little short on time. Um, is there anything that... I mean, there's a lot of folks that listen to this show, whether they're, you know, digital folks in higher ed or admissions folks or, you know, registrar folks, uh, student affairs. Um, if there's one thing about, you know, technology in higher ed that, that you think that folks should, you know, embrace that you don't think that they are, what would that be? I think the number one thing, and this goes back to even my days as an academic advisor, is that you know, don't fear technology. I think a lot of people sometimes think of it as, you know, technologies like artificial intelligence or, you know, algorithms, machine learning, natural language processing, all the tech that runs a lot of this stuff is going to take their jobs. And yeah. and it's quite actually, it's the reverse in the, you know, these various technologies that support digital engagement on a 24 seven, 365 uh, standpoint, enable you know, advisors and admissions pros and career counselors and everyone else to get into conversations and support students in a much deeper uh, way when the technologies are handling, like, you know, chatbots are handling all of these these non-complex, repetitive questions. You know, it's just important to realize that it's not about, you know, technology uh, taking your job away. It's about technology making your job uh, easier, more effective, and allowing you to reach more students uh, so that at the end of the day, it's a partnership between you and these new technologies. That's awesome. And a great note to end on. So thanks, Eric, for joining us this week. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's great. 
Um, listeners, head down to higher and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please considering uh, if you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vetrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. We're part of the Connect EDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks and have a great week. <laughs>